Christian growth requires an atmosphere of thankfulness to God. So spill over, overflow in our gratitude to Him. Christians should be people who are full of gratitude to God. You've been rooted by justification. You've been established by His adoption of you. You have been taught in the faith to continue to grow in your sanctification just as you have been taught through the years and just as you're being taught now. A crucial aspect of our relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord should be gratitude for what God has done in and through Jesus. And we are to overflow with gratitude together. And that's what makes the church unique in the world. We are humbled and we are the first people to say, who's the biggest sinner in the room? And everybody's hand shoots up because we are so profoundly grateful for the way the Lord has helped us move from our self-saving strategies to depend upon His righteousness and His righteousness alone. Welcome to the Trinity Presbyterian Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. Trinity is a member congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America and the Acts 29 Network. We are located in Owasso, Oklahoma. Follow us at trinityowasso.com. Also, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Trinity Owasso. Paul wrote to the church in Colossae to fortify it against the false teachers who might try to impose strict rules about eating and drinking and religious festivals. And Paul, in the letter to Colossians, shows the superiority of Christ over all other gods, over all human philosophies and inventions and traditions. And he writes that Christ's deity, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, chapter 1, verse 15. And of the reconciliation that he accomplished with his blood. Paul explains that the right way of living in the world is to focus on heavenly things, not on earthly things. That God's chosen people must leave their sinful lives behind and live in a godly way in light of the gospel. And so we look to Christ, who is the head of the church, for how we navigate, navigate through life. And Paul has several things he wants to say to this, this country church in, in Colossae. Colossae was in the Lycus Valley, Laodicea was nearby, another town called Horopolis was close at hand, and so Paul writes a letter to them that's to be read in Colossae, and then it's to be passed on to be read to the Laodiceans, and he wrote it about a year after he wrote a letter to the Ephesians, and he is in prison in Rome, visited by the church planter of Colossae, whose name was Epaphras, and Paul has several things that he wants to say to these churches. He wants to say first to be encouraged and knit together by your strong love for one another, both in the church and in the wider church, Colossians and Laodiceans together. And two, he wants you to understand that God's plan is to reconcile all things in Christ, to reconcile our hearts back to him, yes, but to reconcile everything back in Jesus. It is about 
his ability to save you from your sin. Yes and amen. But that is a larger, as a piece of the larger puzzle of him reconciling and redeeming all things in him. He is holding all things together by the power of his word. And that we are to guard against theological deception. And we are to continue growing in Christ the same way that we received in Christ. And Paul says one of the marks of this is that you overflow with thanksgiving, Colossians 2, 7. So we want a desire to know God more intimately. And Paul says, yes, that's right. But he says, but heads up, be careful, Trinity. You also, there is a temptation for us to use the wrong methods to do that. Just as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so you also walk in him. It is the method by which you grow in Christ. It is the same mechanism by which you were saved. Christ's power of justifying you from your sin and him sanctifying you by his grace through faith and repentance. And so let's stand together if you're willing and able. We're going to read Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, and then we're going to look at this idea of thanksgiving just for a few moments together. Let's read these verses together, beginning at verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you were taught, abounding with thanksgiving. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christian growth happens in an atmosphere of thankfulness to God. Look at the end of verse 7. The Apostle Paul adds this phrase, overflowing with gratitude, overflowing with thankfulness. And here Paul is teaching the Colossians and you and me that the Christian life invariably entails thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is to be the atmosphere. It is to be the environment in which one grows in the Christian life. Christian growth requires an atmosphere of thankfulness to God. Pariseo is the Greek term to overflow. It means to have more than enough. It means to have an abundance. This is one of the words that Paul so often reaches for when he's trying to describe his own experience as a Christian in his hope, in, his gra in the grace that he has experienced, in his gratitude. For example, in Romans 15, verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound, periseo, abound in hope. Or 2 Corinthians 1, 5, for we share abundantly, we share, periseo, we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so that through Christ we also, periseo, share abundantly in his comfort too. Or 2 Corinthians 4, 15, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving, periseo, to the glory of God. We could go on and on. You know, you, the, the verse that Dustin read this morning, uh, Philippians 1, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. There it is. Overflow with knowledge and discernment. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and may the Lord make you abound and increase more and more in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So Paul is using a very common word, periseo, that he pulls into this 
letter to the Colossians to say, you wanna overflow. And what do you overflow with? You should overflow with gratitude. Christian growth requires an atmosphere of thankfulness to God. Paul says you should overflow more and more, abound more and more, spill over with eucharistia. That's the Greek word for thankfulness. That's where you get the word for eucharist or the communion. You should overflow with eucharistia. You should overflow with gratitude. It is a, it is a depth of gratitude that is profound and makes you tremendously grateful in your life. He prayed the same prayer, similarly at least, in Colossians 1.12 when he said, and let your hearts overflow with thanksgiving, with thankfulness. Same language. That was earlier in Colossians in chapter 1. And here he's coming back to it to remind them that, remember I prayed that for you there? That is how you walk in a Christian life. The Christian life, Christian growth happens in an atmosphere of thankfulness to God. And so Paul teaches us here that a characteristic, a fundamental feature a crucial aspect of our relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord should be gratitude for what God has done in and through Jesus. You saw on your uh, preparation for worship that one commentator, James Dunn, writes, as rootedness and foundation depends on faith called forth by the gospel, so growing from the root and building up on the foundation can be successful only in an atmosphere of thankfulness to God. So Christian growth happens in an atmosphere of thankfulness to God. You got it? That is what Paul is trying to say by this text in this context. That is what the passage, that phrase means. Now, let's reflect on it for a second. Thanksgiving is not the natural default mode of fallen humanity, is it? I mean, Paul says this in the book of Romans, when he says in the very first chapter, he says, by nature, we do not honor God as God because our foolish hearts are darkened. For even though, to quote Paul, they knew God, they did not honor him or as God or give thanks, Eucharistia. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts were darkened. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. Paul connects a lack of giving thanks to God with dishonoring God. One writer has said, a thankful spirit is the mark of Christian maturity and when a believer is abounding in thanksgiving, then and only then is he really making progress. Christians should be people who are full of gratitude to God. Paul says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, you were doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled you in his body of flesh by his death. So don't shift away from the gospel. Paul says, You have so much to be thankful for. I know it doesn't come natural to you, but think of how much you have been redeemed from. I mean, think of you. Some of us, we are closer to the time when we understood and came to know the gospel for the first time than others. And so we remember starkly the difference of hope that we had before we became a believer and after. You know, uh, some, some of you have neighbors that have greenhouses. You've, you've seen, you know, you, some of you have neighbors with greenhouses. You've seen them in, in your neighborhoods. And, and Greenhouses, could, they, they, they produce an atmosphere, don't they? What do they do? Greenhouses let light and heat in, and they retain moisture. And they keep the bugs and the birds out. 
In the same way, Thanksgiving has a negative and a positive component to it. It's, it's like a greenhouse. It, it lets in God's amazing provision for your life. And you look at the amazing ways God has blessed you. It lets in God's blessing and his provision, his light and heat, if you will. But it keeps out your self-absorption. It keeps out all of your discontent and all of your bitterness. And Paul says, you should have a greenhouse of thankfulness in which you live your life that lets in God's amazing blessing. I mean, did you know what the weather was supposed to be this morning? It was supposed to be like rainy and crazy and everybody, you know, I had an OSU person say to me, well, you know why they got it wrong, right? Because they learned meteorology at OU. Ooh, that was a low blow, that was a low blow. And um, so I'm a good pastor. I just kept my mouth shut and said, thank you. Um, but uh, all you OU folks, right? You can, we can divide the house and you can go and sneer at OSU folks later. But, but like the weather was supposed to be horrible. And so like this morning, honestly, I'm like going, oh my gosh, thank you. That's awesome. Like last week we were like getting our down jackets. And this week we're like, holy cow, I'm getting hot. It's awesome. Little things for which we have to be thankful. There's a negative aspect where we keep our self-righteousness at bay. We confess it in worship. We admit that we are more broken than we could ever believe. And we let the blessing of God's provision in our life come to us. Jonathan Edwards says it like this. He called thanks for circumstances natural gratitude. He said that gratitude doesn't come naturally, if at all. And when things go badly, Gratitude can't buoy you up in times of despair. But when, you're, when things are going right, Edward says, even the devils in hell can fake gratitude. Even those who have amazing blessings in their life, they can be far from Jesus and they can be so thankful. But then Edward says, but what makes Christian gratitude unique is he calls it gracious gratitude. And gracious gratitude gives thanks not for the goods received, but for who God is in his character, his goodness, his love, his power, his excellencies, regardless of your circumstances. This is how he says it. True gratitude or thankfulness to God for his kindness to us arises from a foundation laid before of love to God for what he is in himself. Whereas natural gratitude has no such antecedent foundation, the gracious stirrings of grateful affection to God for kindness received always are from a stock of love already in the heart, established in the first place on other grounds, namely God's own excellencies. When Paul describes what gratitude is like, Paul is saying you are to, have a, you are to be graciously grateful. You are Christians. You should overflow with gratitude irrespective of your circumstance because of who God is. Just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. There's a reason the Bible says be thankful in, not for your circumstances. Be thankful in him, not for these things. And when Paul describes what it is to live and walk in the Lord, he includes growing and believing in an atmosphere of thankfulness. It is the hallmark of the spiritual life. Is it for you? And gratitude always points to a spiritual deficiency. 
And when we think about cultivating thankfulness, we need to know that thanksgiving is a habit that you develop not by discipline, but by perspective. There are habits of discipline. For example, prayer, learning to, to, to pray every day, learning to set aside time to read God's word. And then there are habits of perspective. There are habits of perspective that also are learned as you practice them. Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. And so these are habits of perspectives. Let me illustrate what I mean. There was one day a father of a very wealthy family took his son to a to the country for the purpose of showing him how poor people can be. And they spent a couple of days and nights on a farm of what would be considered a very, very poor family. And on the return trip, the father asked the son, well, how was the trip? And the son said, it was great, dad. Well, did you see how poor people can be? The father asked. Oh, yeah, the son replied. So, so what did you learn? The father asked. The son answered, I saw that we have one dog and they have four. We have a pool that covers our backyard and they have a creek that has no end. We have imported lanterns on our terrace and they have stars at night. Our patio reaches to the front yard and they have the whole horizon. We have a small piece of land, but they have fields that go on beyond our sight. We have servants that serve us, but they serve others. We buy food, but they grow theirs. We have walls around our property to protect us, but they have friends to protect them. And the boy's father just kind of stood there scratching his head, and his son said, thanks, Dad, for showing me how poor we are. Like Thanksgiving is a habit of perspective. It is all about the perspective that you share. And gracious gratitude falls into two categories in the Bible. There's a perspective of God's power. This is the Job 40 approach. Dress yourself like a man, Job. I know things are really bad. Tell me, where were you when I set the foundations of the earth? Job, tell me, where were you when I commanded the behemoth? to chart his path upon the ground. Tell me, where were you when I threw the stars into space, Job? Please tell me. Please stand up and tell me, where were you? That's the Job 40 approach, where you're confronted with the power of God in your life. And then there's also a perspective that we see where God reminds us what he does with Psalm 78, where he reminds us of all of the good he has done in and through our lives in the past. Psalm 78 recounts the redemptive history of Israel, how I brought you out of Egypt, how I delivered you out of the wilderness, how I, I allowed you to conquer your enemies, how I provided a piece of land for you, how I led you to, to he, he just goes on and on about how grateful he has. Or, or Stephen, Stephen goes with this approach when he's talking to the, you know, the fired up high priest in the Sanhedrin when he's before the tribunal. And Stephen does the perspective approach. Stephen says, we worship the God who delivered us, us, even you, out of Egypt. And he has done so much in our life. Like, and then he sent us Jesus. And he's the Messiah. He's the fulfillment of all these things in him. And you killed him. And instead of just melting the Sanhedrin with gratitude and leading them to run to repentance, which was what the point of Stephen's sermon was, they were they were so overflowing with this bile of bitterness that they didn't repent. And they called for Stephen to come to the center of the court and they stoned him. Some 
have comparatively little, and yet they are always thanking God for it. And what is the difference between these sorts of people? Gracious gratitude. Some of us have been enormously blessed, and we are content, and it is beautiful, and we are so grateful to the Lord for that. And we grow in our gratitude. What is, what is that? That is gracious gratitude. Being grateful for all that the Lord has provided to us, not only for the stuff that we have or the circumstances of our life, but for who he is and all of his beautiful excellency. For example, teenagers, you know that the, the um, especially those of you who are almost about to graduate, you know like the freedom that you crave, like you crave it, like you just can't wait to bust out of that house, can you? But the same freedom you crave is the same freedom your mom and dad gave up to bring you into the world. So you should be grateful for them. It's a matter of perspective. Alexander Solzhenitsyn suffered in the Gulag, which is a Russian prisoner camp in the early 20th century. And once he was safely in the West, and he was in the US, of all schools, Harvard asked him to come and speak at their commencement. And so when he spoke at the Harvard commencement in 1978, Solzhenitsyn said, the thin line between good and evil does not run within governments or ideologies, but through the heart of every man and every woman. And realizing this truth and what, how profoundly he had been shaped by the gospel as an Orthodox Christian, he said, so thank you, prison." for being in my life. That's perspective. The Bible says we are to give thanks in, not for all things. Helen Keller, blind and deaf since birth, wrote, I thank God for my handicap, for through them, handicaps, for through them I have found myself, my work, and my God. Some of you here are in the midst of great trials. And we want you to know that your Savior loves you. And even in the darkest of despairs, he has come to you and he has said, even now I want to shift your perspective. I know it's hard. By giving you a people who love you, who are in this room, who want to help you grow and want to know about your story. But also I want you to know that he has delivered you from a far worse condition and that is being isolated and alone in your sin without the saving grace of Jesus. And he offers it to you and he says, you can have it. It's a matter of perspective by turning from your self-saving strategies to find life and turning to the cross of Jesus where he atoned for your sin on that cross and he rose again on the third day to pronounce his victory over that sin so that he might infuse in us and all those who believe in him a profound sense of gracious gratitude that creates an atmosphere in which we grow as Christians. We are to grow in our deeper knowledge of Jesus together, friends. And we are to do that overflowing with thankfulness. And that produces in us a humility, a humility, a humility that says, I'm going to come and I'm going to if you're participating in the RISE campaign, and we pray everybody does, I'm going to come to the RISE campaign, and I'm going to give humbly grateful for what the Lord has done in my life. Here it is. Equal sacrifice. Different amounts. 
but I give out of a sense of overflowing gratitude for what he has done for me. That's the motivation for which we participate in giving to the Rise campaign. Yes, we want to be able to build a building, but guys, if we built this great, beautiful building, but you did not grow in an atmosphere of thankfulness and you weren't humbled by it, we missed the boat. And so this morning, would you, just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him? You've been rooted by justification. You've been established by his adoption of you. You have been taught in the faith to continue to grow in your sanctification, just as you have been taught through the years and just as you're being taught now. And we are to overflow with gratitude together. And that's what makes the church unique in the world. We are humbled and we are the first people to say, who's the biggest sinner in the room? And everybody's hand shoots up because we are so profoundly grateful for the way the Lord has helped us move from our self-saving strategies to depend upon his righteousness and his righteousness alone. Christian growth requires an atmosphere of thankfulness to God. So spill over, Trinity. Overflow in our gratitude to him.